0: Hey, everybody, this is your host, Matt Castellini, and welcome to Chicago Capital. Neil, thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, hi, Matt. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Um, first off, I just got to say, viewers can't see, uh, because we, you know, we're not doing video, but you have like incredibly, incredibly, uh, bright white teeth. So kudos to you. I got to say your dentist is doing God's work over there. My
1: sister's a dentist, so it's- All
0: right, well, I mean, uh, tell your sister she's doing a damn good job.
1: (laughs) All right, sounds good.
0: Um, well, uh, okay, so that aside, uh, we'd love to hear about what you are working on. Uh, I'll let you take it away.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is A1 Logic. It's a company I started based on a new uh, patent that I created uh, for a new technology that stops data breaches, even if you have malicious insiders, compromised devices, and compromised um, networks. And it's because it protects data at rest and in transit and, most importantly, in use. And so it's it's basically stopping data breaches. It's an enterprise security product and it's in beta. And basically the next step is to scale. And it's really exciting because it's, I have a patent on a solution to a problem that every enterprise has that no other products solve, which is the data breach problem. Like you look like two, even I think two, three weeks ago, um, T-Mobile got compromised and they had a lot of uh, customer records that were stolen.
0: Yeah. So this is, again, it's such a prevalent issue. I think everybody opens up to Wall Street Journal once a week and sees some blue chip company who's who's, you know, gotten hit with a data breach. And it's a topic I have not had a single founder or VC on the show to talk about cybersecurity data breaches. So I, I have a ton of questions that I'm going to try and limit. But can you talk about What is different about this solution? It sounds to me like it's almost the last line of defense um, as opposed to maybe a lot of solutions out there that are just trying to stop breaches from happening in the first place. But that could be a completely misinterpretation of the market and your solution. So what can you walk us through a little bit? Like, what are the biggest differences in your mind between the solution you've come up with and the solutions that exist today in the market that clearly are not ubiquitously uh, working?
1: Yeah, so... Uh, It's the last thing that I said. It's the fact that it protects data in use. So everybody today is protecting data at rest and in transit. Think of like uh, encrypted files on your computer. That's at rest. Think of an encrypted network connection. That's in transit. But when, when the file is open in your computer, that's where every product today fails. So it's like, you know, when you think about like science, there's solid, liquid, and gas, right? But it's like ignoring one of the three states of matter. You can't do that. You need to protect it in all three states. So what I'm doing is protecting it in all three states so that you cannot you cannot get to the data uh, in an unauthorized manner. So this would have actually stopped Edward Snowden at NSA. Um, he walked out with a bunch of sensitive data, right? And this would have stopped him. Moses insiders, that's what I was talking about earlier.
0: So that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I guess my question is, uh, in, since Snowden in the past 10 years. What's your view on kind of the maturation of the market? Like why hasn't a solution like this um, been implemented before um, in your mind?
1: So after I got the patent, um, I saw um, other patents from very big companies like uh, Symantec, Intel, McAfee, I think it was, uh, Juniper Networks. All these companies, they cited my patent as prior art in the area that they're working. So people are working in this area. Uh, And also um, military. So they're also working on something that uses the same concept that I'm using for securing the data, but for a different end result. And so they're like, oh, this is cool. This fits with what we're doing.
0: And I guess when you're looking out at the market opportunity, uh, it sounds like there are a couple other people um you know involved in the market which actually is probably a good sign for you that means you're onto something that means that you almost have outside validation that this is this is an idea worth pursuing in your mind you know is this a winner take all market do you think there's it's large enough to support a number of um you know a number of comparable companies so
1: i think it can support multiple companies but the really difficult part is protecting the data without having to modify all the existing programs out there. So think of like Microsoft, like Microsoft Word, for example, Um, you have as the entrepreneur and building a new product, you have to bend backwards to fit all the existing software and make all of it compatible or build a product that is compatible with everything that already exists. You should not be expecting anybody like Microsoft or Adobe or anybody else to be modifying their product to fit your security product because the rest of the world is not going to bend backward for you. You have to bend backward and fit for the rest of the world. So um, there are other products out there, um, but they don't protect data in use. And there are other products out there even more uh, that protect, try to protect data in use, but they require you to modify your applications. And if you look at um, just the way the internet came up, it kind of it was like you know there's like you have like a, a bunch of ants, right? So the one ant puts like a, a pebble down. And then more ends put pebbles on top of that. And eventually you have a mountain. Um, so based on that first pebble, that's the way things stick. Like you, you're not going to have a second mountain. People just fix things as it goes and they build on top of it. So um, based on all of the previous issues and security and the way that the industry and technology evolved, they keep the core. Uh, like, for example, let's say Microsoft Word, they keep, they're, they're going to keep that for the most part. Um, and you have to make it work with what you're doing. You can't expect the mountain to move for you.
0: So, and again, somebody who's completely kind of a novice in cybersecurity, uh, and I would imagine, you know, probably a lot of listeners are as well. Why does that, what you just described, does that speak to why there are so many cybersecurity breaches nowadays, it feels like, as opposed to even five, six, seven years ago? And it truly does feel like everywhere you look, there are large companies and large swaths of data that are um, that are being breached. Um, I guess it, I'm trying to unpack what has changed or, or what hasn't changed from a technological standpoint in the past five years that has caused so many of these instances. So
1: people want computers to be easy to use. That's at the core of it. You know, if you if your product is too difficult to use, I'll turn it off. Um, and so one of the problems is that is the continuum you can say between security and ease of use. Um, the second issue is that I think that criminals have a track record of making a lot of money f- by doing evil things to people. And so for them, it's it, it, it's a viable business. So it's just more validation of their business model. As they steal more data and destroy more uh, computers and bring companies you know down and all that, uh, it validates that, yeah, it works and it pays for them. So it, it's just um, people are, are just... They're, they're kind of entrepreneurs also, but in a more in a different way. <laughs> they're, they're seeing that there's a business model that works for them. And so they're willing to um, attack people and cause pain in order to get paid. And so the more that that happens, um, the more it's gonna keep pushing. And the other thing is that as technology moves faster and faster and innovation keeps going, um, there's more attack surfaces that people will see
0: attack surfaces, meaning, you know, different nodes in a network or or different, um, could you unpack what that means?
1: Yeah, so new products come out, you know, like, like, 15 years ago, the cloud wasn't what it is today, right? And so now when people go to the cloud, they have to think about the cloud being secure or not secure. So just a few weeks ago, I think it was Microsoft's Cosmo DB, um, there was an issue with that. And so, you know, the, the cloud has been sold as, you know, give your your data to us in the cloud and we'll protect for everybody. And we're really good at it. You know, we're a big company. But then um, there's these issues. Now, everybody's data is in the cloud. And now if somebody finds one issue with the cloud, um, then you can attack everybody's data in one place.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a fascinating kind of um, I don't know. It, it's a problem that I, I'm curious for you. Was there a moment, you know, in the past where you saw a data breach on the news or and you said, wow, okay, like that really shook kind of your understanding of the, you know, current offerings in cybersecurity and you decided this is a problem you would see if you could solve. And then, you know, you, you, you came across this new technology and you filed the patent or. Is your background in cybersecurity? I think we'd just love to hear how you came to this this solution and this ultimately starting this venture.
1: Yeah. So my undergraduate degree is in computer engineering. And right when I was, I went to University of Maryland. And so in the DC area, um, cybersecurity was getting really big around when I graduated. And the last year of my undergrad, they started this new thing called a cybersecurity degree. And then, you know, like the government was all excited and everybody in the DC area was excited. So then I was thinking to myself, well, this cybersecurity thing looks like it's going to be futuristic. uh, And it looks like there's a lot there that interests me uh, from my technical interests. So maybe I should look at it some more. So I got really, really, really into it. Like I I have a blog, actually, where I reverse engineered some of the biggest malware out there and looked at ways to attack software and defend software. And it's been cited in written books and stuff like that. And so I just did a lot of research. And so I was literally reading the Intel (laughs) instruction manual for your CPU. It's like a 4,000-page PDF. But I was looking at it from the point of a security guy rather than a computer designer or a CPU designer. And I was looking at, well, what can I repurpose in the CPU that's in everybody's computers to get a security uh, functionality out of? Uh, And so then literally like in the cartoons one day I was like in the shower and a light bulb went off in my head. And then I was like, Oh wait, that's it. Eureka. So then I had this idea. It like literally in the shower.
0: I mean, that's where the best ones always come. I yeah. feel like so many billion dollar outcomes founders are saying, you know, I years of struggling with a problem. I came up with a solution. I feel like honestly, if you were in the shower one day and you were like, Whoa, wait, damn, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so- love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I guess moving forward, you know, you're in beta, uh, ultimately you will look to, you know, monetize this and sell into organizations. I was I would imagine what is your sort of, you know, thoughts on segment of the market you think you'll go at, go after first? Are you going to go after SMBs, you know, smaller companies, startups, are you going to try and go after, you know, mid-sized companies? How are you thinking about that sort of go-to-market strategy?
1: Yeah, so I think smaller companies don't have the amount of risk that bigger companies have because they don't have the amount of data that bigger companies have. So imagine a startup that's like, you know, a year old, how much data they would have versus one of like the S&P 500, how much data they would have. So it's, see, at the end of the day, um, security does not bring revenue in. It's kind of a a lot of companies classify it as a cost. So who would want to incur a bigger cost? Uh, A startup. Or a company that has a huge target on its back. So the idea is go to the bigger companies, maybe not like the actual S and P five hundred because they're very big, but um, somewhere on the bigger side uh, that has this issue and is looking for innovative solutions.
0: And have you done any kind of thought, you know, market sizing exercises where you looked at the total TAM of this opportunity?
1: Yeah, it should be greater than one point seven billion as of last year.
0: And obviously, expected to grow. I would imagine, right? In the in the coming years,
1: yeah. With every d- new data breach, there it gets bigger because at- attackers see that okay, there's more money in this, and we can extort more people. And then um, the entrepreneurs say, "Oh well, you know, we could probably try to figure out new ways to stop this." Also, so it just generates more, more activity. It's like a flywheel.
0: And if I'm an organization, again, with no experience with this, if I'm, if I'm an organization, can I? Do they ever bring on multiple cybersecurity um, you know, safety nets? Are there ever multiple solutions at play in a given organization? Or is that kind of a disaster, too many cooks in the kitchen situation?
1: No, that's usually how it is, actually. It's a great question. It's usually multiple layers of defense um, because it's, you don't get to 100% ever. You don't ever get to perfect, just like with anything else in life insecurity Um, so you have multiple layers and it's about managing risk it's not about saying yes we're done check you know it's managing risk by having multiple layers of different products and security so maybe a company would audit who's logging on and they would track their data and they would you know use firewalls so different layers
0: and that's actually great i mean that's Obviously great for you guys because instead of convincing them that they need to drop their current, you know, data security service provider, um, you know, the switching costs are even lower. They can just add you on instead of having to sort of tear out a system that's already in place. Um, what's your kind of, you know, 12-month product roadmap? I know you're, as you know, as you mentioned, in beta now, but what is kind of your, you know, medium-term goals?
1: Yeah, so the next thing is poly customers. That are looking to uh, find something innovative, uh, and that can have an issue with uh, data that either has been breached or they're very scared of it being breached. Uh, so yeah, it's it's basically uh, beta customers and people looking to be or customers looking to be involved in the product strategy also, not just saying okay, uh, it's like a it's like a COTS uh, commercial off the shelf product, but rather it's uh, something that they can be involved in driving the roadmap. So they can kind of tailor it to their needs.
0: And so, on the funding side, have you taken on any capital? Completely bootstrapped. What's kind of your thoughts in terms of fundraising in the next, you know, six to twelve months?
1: Yeah. So uh, we already have some investment from the government and a lot of a lot of personal like savings. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, funding is definitely a next one of the next things that we need to do because uh, we need. To basically, we've already proven the, the you could say, the, the, the science or the new, the, sh, the shiny part of it. That's already done. The hard part, the innovation is done. Now it's more like, you know, um, making it more productized. So testing it and um, just polishing it. That's what, and like integrating it with other uh, systems. So it's not the, the, the R&D part anymore. Now it's just um, more of the routine stuff, lower risk stuff.
0: And did you know you wanted to use an MBA from Booth to kind of um, augment your business skills? Obviously, you have the technical expertise necessary for something like this. But did you look at Booth uh, UChicago as a way to kind of build up your, you know, uh, finance, accounting, all that good stuff? Is that how you kind of viewed it? Or was the timing sort of coincidental? How did you sort of view getting your MBA as part of your, you know, journey as a founder?
1: So, I'm at booth to learn everything other than the technical side, so the stuff that they didn't teach me in engineering school and I didn't learn from work. Uh, there's a lot out there. Uh, I haven't done much finance stuff. I haven't done much marketing stuff. Uh, so that's what I. One of the big things, some of the big things that I want to learn. I'm not as interested in learning like more programming courses. I want to learn about you know like microeconomics was a big deal. I didn't know any of that stuff until I took it. So that was really interesting. So looking at how the business world works um, from the class at Booth is kind of a theoretical, conceptual presentation of how things work. You know, you you talk about like efficient markets and stuff like that. I've invested in the past, but uh, at Booth, I'm learning a much more formal um, and conceptual presentation of all these concepts.
0: I think that's kind of the coolest part about I've talked to a lot of people about MBAs, and sometimes I feel like the show can sound like one big advertising for getting your MBA or going to booth. But I don't know. I do think it's it's something that's really unique that you do get the ability to go learn something for two years or three years, however long, whatever program you're in, uh, that can complement your existing expertise and skill set. And I think that's what most people should use the experience for um, and it just uh, it's something that in the more and more conversations I have with founders especially, um, I, I think it's all the more true. Have you found that you know you think that booth in the long run um, did you did you weigh other options before going to booth about you know knowing you wanted to be a founder and knowing you wanted to learn these skills um, or is booth kind of to you the best option you you, you know you sort of looked at?
1: so I, I live in uh, in Washington DC and because there's a pandemic, uh, traveling is hard right now, but I'm, since we're doing it remote, I'm like really pushing, I'm taking like three classes a quarter while like, you know, doing everything else. So it's the, one of the, the one of my favorite things about Booth is that you don't have to quit like whatever else you're doing to come to school full-time. You can do it, you know, like part-time or in the evenings or the weekends. That's a big deal for me. And um, also just in general, I mean, Booth, like the Microsoft CEO went to Booth. He's one of my heroes. So, uh, I think it's a really great school uh, to meet people and, you know, just um, learn really, learn from the best.
0: And I guess, you know, on that topic, um, what are your thoughts on hiring in the next, you know, 6 to 12 months? I mean, how are you guys going to scale, do you think, your your team uh, in the near future?
1: So, one of the biggest things that I'm looking for right now is not to do more engineering, because like I said, the beta is done. Um, The next things would be uh, basically helping to sell the product, so contacts and capital. And they, they go together kind of like getting, like customers want investors, investors want customers and more of each. So that's the next focus.
0: And, uh, you know, Neil, I think we're all wondering, um, when are you going to be arriving in Chicago, do you think, to take some of your first classes in person? I mean, I I totally get you. The remote thing has been crazy, but I feel like we got to get you here.
1: Yeah, uh, hopefully in a month from today, uh, October 2nd, would be my first in-person class in Chicago. Uh, Actually, I'd love to meet you also, you know, when I come to Chicago, we can hang out or something because... Um, it's half the thing is just hanging out and meeting people, meeting cool people, being smart people.
0: A hundred percent. And absolutely. We can get that. We can get that on the books. I mean, I got to see if these teeth are as white in person as they are over this <laughs> camera. I mean, I swear to God, your sister might be the best dentist in America. If you do ever move to Chicago, do not change your dentist. You're not going to find yeah, another one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. And she's, she actually went to school in Maryland also. At, uh, so she's, um, She's she's also like, I'm really impressed with her and what she's been doing with her career.
0: Well, Neil, thank you so much for hopping on Chicago Capital. Can't tell you enough how much we appreciate this. I think everyone just got a little bit more smarter on the cybersecurity front, which I know for me is a huge deal. Uh, Thank you so much, Neil.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Matt.